Welcome to the Mountain Students Team Podcast, a podcast specifically for our students team. And here at Mountain Students, we want to make more and better disciples of middle and high school students by connecting them to someone who loves God and loves them to help them develop an authentic faith. We believe everything rises and falls on the strength of our disciple makers and our process to connect students to them. And so our goal with this podcast is to help strengthen our disciple makers so that we can make an impact here in Harford County and beyond. My name is Sean. I'm our lead students pastor and joining me today for our very first episode is Chase Boyer, our students content director. Is, is this mic on? Can you hear me? I don't, I don't know. Is it, is it on? I think so. Julia, are we good? Ah, Jules, oh, cool. the producer. Now, once the wizard, now the producer, Julia. Thank you so much. I mean, that's a great question. Is a wizard or a producer better? I mean, I think that she's the producer formerly known as mm. Julia. That, that sounds right. That's what it is now. Well, one of the things that we love to do around here and what we really want to hope to accomplish is we want to help you grow as a disciple. We want to be able to strengthen you as disciple makers. Uh, and so we're going to be filming this season of podcast episodes with this semester. Uh, and we really hope that they can be practical and help you be able to grow and help your students grow too. And we're also going to have some fun, right? Yeah. Just have some fun. We're going to have some great guests. Uh, obviously, Chase, you're not a guest, but we're really excited for some of the guests that we have lined up oh, for, for this sure. semester. For sure. Um, I have a question for you. Oh, no. Just to kind of kick us off, have a little bit of fun. Everyone get to know us a little bit. Um, so here's a question that I thought of. I do this thing with Ellie Kacharis. Whenever she comes back in town, I can think of a question to ask her that's just like deeply profound and see what she says. Uh, so shout out to Ellie Kacharis for helping me think through this question. Um, <clears throat> would you rather? Okay. So would you rather question? I was going to say, just remember, this is going on the interwebs. Yes, yes, yes. yes okay. So okay. would you rather... Um, Live in the pouch of a giant kangaroo, or would you rather have your own personal Joey that lives in the pouch on your belly? Can I train this Joey to do things? Sure. And is this also Joey from Friends? No. It's no, the, the, you know what a Joey is, right? I mean, it's a baby kangaroo, but it can also be the person from Friends. I mean, well, there's humans named Joey. Yeah, but why would you make that connection? It doesn't make any sense. I mean, when would you rather questions? I'm going to poke and prod and stretch it out and be able to know where the boundaries are. So oh, keep going. Uh, with this, I mean, I'm going to train my Joey to do things for me. So I'm going to have a pouch of my own. That's interesting. Um, what, what, I've would never, you, <clears throat> what would you pick? I've asked this question a lot of times to people, and no one has had that logic. So you are a unique person, Sean, wholly, deeply loved by Jesus. Um, I, I tend to choose. I've every now and then been swayed, but I tend to land on... I want to live in the pouch of a giant kangaroo. Um, one, I want a little bit of freedom. I can get out of the pouch and go roam around doing my life. Uh, that's great. Uh, two, can you imagine the amount of like protection from harm a giant kangaroo? Like, do you know how big a kangaroo has to be for me to live inside its pouch? I mean, I've it's never, be like never a thought about that before tall. to this moment. It's got to be like a fifteen foot tall kangaroo. That'd be amazing. So I don't know. Just throwing that out there. There it is. I mean, does this kangaroo also <clears throat> jump really far? Like, could you get places quicker? I feel like it's like, you know, it should be proportional. So, like, whatever, like, a normal kangaroo jumps, like, multiply that to its size. Like, that should be how now high it jumps. I mean, so you could probably get places quicker. You wouldn't even have to get into a car. Yeah. Although, there's probably going to be some casualties. 
<laughs> right? Like if a kangaroo is like hopping around, just very nonchalant, aimless, someone's going to get crushed. And I might have to live with that guilt. That That is fair. Uh, but making the hard, hard left turn, we don't want our students to feel guilt. We don't want you to feel guilt. Oh and my so gosh. for today, we were going to just kind of dive in to talk about some of our best strategies to lead a conversation because we've all been a part of conversations where we leave just feeling guilty. And with this, we talk about discipleship, taking relationships, experiences, and information here at Mountain or REI to kind of give you equipment for the journey. And at the heart of all of those are conversations. And so Chase, what are some of those best strategies to lead a conversation? Uh, you're our content director, so you write our group's guides. What are, uh, what are you hoping group leaders are able to leverage when they kind of dive into the group's guide and begin to lead conversations on Wednesday yeah. nights and beyond? Well, first thing, maybe just to say off the top, just really grateful for the opportunity to be in that spot, to be thinking through the types of questions that we ask, um, be kind of on the ground floor, um, working through sermon series, and sometimes on the cutting room floor, cutting some things out that we think is still really important to make times work. Um, it's, it's a really unique role for, for me and for churches of our size, and so I don't take that for granted. Um, I always appreciate the feedback that we receive from our group leaders. Um, just they're some of the most exceptional people that I've ever met. And mm-hmm. so um, when I think about the kinds of questions that me and the team write, um, we're always thinking and hoping that our leaders are leveraging a few things about the group guide. One, I think that we always want our group leaders to feel like they have a map. Mm-hmm. Like if they're if they're picking up the group guide, preferably – a week or so ahead, or even the night of, I hope that's clear the journey that you're, that is designed to be taken. Um, the reason why we have all those little pieces is because we want it to be, if you were just to kind of, you know, read it from top to bottom, you can kind of see the trajectory of conversation. So, um, so in some ways there's a, there's a destination at the end, but there's a variety of different paths that you can take to kind of get to the destination. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I think, even I think one of the lines on the guide says something to the effect of, if you're using everything on this guide, you're probably not doing it right. Um, and that's because sometimes, you know, especially for our middle school groups, like you can maybe ask every question and get like a two second answer and move on. And maybe you could get through the whole thing, uh, but that's probably not doing it fully correctly. Or if you're in high school, maybe you're still trying to get through all the questions, but you're having such a good conversation on one question. You just push it along to try to get through to the end and you might miss out on the better conversation. So, um, so much of what I think leveraging the group guide is, um, when you know the destination of where you're wanting to go, um, you can kind of plan your detours Hmm. in a way. Um, and to do that, I think probably the second thing to know is um, we need to try to anticipate what we can anticipate. And I say that I got that directly from a former curriculum company that we um, use in some of their parent strategies. Hmm. It's actually a thing that's incorporated for parents when you're raising kids. You need to try to anticipate you know, what you can anticipate with your kids. And I thought that was really cool, but I also think it's also true of our students, when we are learning their stories and meeting them, when we're going to camps together, when we're doing fall and winter retreat together, when we're doing more than Wednesdays together and we're learning their stories and we think about them in our preparation. Um, and that's where really just the Holy Spirit and prayer comes into play when we are talking about anticipating, like we start to have our eyes opened up to the types of conversations that we think, one, our kids can handle, two, I think it allows us to have an opportunity to see the ways a question will probably 
hints at or maybe trigger in some of our kids and we can prepare that. Um, I remember in one of my former small groups that I led there, they, they actually just went through a big divorce, a big nasty divorce in like 10th grade. And we were saying the group did or the like parents of a student did. (laughs) Yeah. When I was leading a former group, um, one of the guys in my group, his parents went through a really nasty divorce in our sophomore year. And we were in a conversation about family relationships. And like, if you think about just, if you're a group leader going into a group and you know, you're going to talk about family, like it's one, one thing you might think is like, Okay, well, like talking about family is good, but like, you know, I want to get into like the deeper scripture, the richness of like what family is. Maybe we talk about um, the Shema or whatever you want to do. Like, maybe you want to talk about those things. Um, but the most important thing for that group time that night was for me to recognize that one of my kids is going through a nasty divorce and the thought of family really sucks right now. Mm. And I approached him beforehand. I said, Hey, we're going to talk about family stuff tonight. And if you want to share about what's going on with your family, I just want to let you know you're welcome to do that. So, so in some ways, you you helped cue him to the conversation. You knew, hey, we're going to be talking about something that's probably going to evoke some strong emotions. So yeah. let me kind of get a pulse and see where he's at so right. that he can be prepared for the conversation. At the same time, also maybe allow him to share a bit of a story, which is right. in some places, some places like part of his healing story. Or right. just being able to talk about it helps normalize some of that too. And we all know as group leaders, when a student opens up a deep wound, like that's when... Mm-hmm. like that's when the richness of the group starts to develop. And for us, it happened then. And that's not like a yay chase moment. That's just the Holy spirit leading me to try to anticipate what I can anticipate. Um, we did not get through that group guide at all. <laughs> I don't remember anything else about that night, except for, you know, he was able to share. And that was a really beautiful thing. So, so you're giving permission to group leaders. If there is some context in their group, not every week at all, but like if there's context in your group and your groups in some ways demanding something different of you than the group's guide on occasion, you can kind of set that aside and just be there with your students. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I wouldn't use it as a crutch to just never do the group's guide, but I would say that perhaps more often than you may think, like the more you learn about your students, the more you recognize, Hey, these certain questions are going to work. These certain questions are not going to work and that's okay. Like there's a plethora of questions targeted to do different things because each question kind of has a different design for it. That's really the, the hope and the aim for the group guides is to give you some tools and leverage one to give you the map, but also to allow you the opportunity to, to really smooth out the rough edges. If you will, you know, you can't write a group guide for, you know, 500 people to really go through. You as a group leader have to start to shape that a little bit on your own as you learn your students. Mm. And I know you've shared this with me, but you've shared some different kinds of questions or kind of the illustration here is like different hats or question hats that you can wear when it comes to uh, asking great questions. Uh, And so it just kind of feels natural now. Maybe this would be a good time for our group leaders to begin to hear what are some of those questions that you're thinking of when you're writing the group's guide but at the same time, we want to challenge group leaders in the conversation, be thinking about how you can ask these questions in particular situations. So what sure. are what are those question hats? Yeah, we went to a conference. <clears throat> we went to the Exponential Conference in Orlando. It was probably 2017 or 2018. And went to this breakout with this guy who was, his whole breakout purpose was to talk about questions. I remember uh, sitting back there and just soaking these in like, oh my gosh, this is going to be a game changer for me. Because um, at the time I had started to do some curriculum writing, but I wasn't doing it full time. Um, now you'll you'll find these questions littered throughout our groups guides most weeks, and 
I can imagine without some context, some of the questions you probably hear or some of the questions you might read on the group guides, like what, <laughs> why on earth would I ask that stupid, boring, silly, dumb, easy question that everyone's going to just roll their eyes at? Uh, well, one, uh, fair, <laughs> fair point. If you're <laughs> leading a senior group and I'm asking a reading comprehension question, it's probably going to feel pretty subpar. Um, but two, it's important for us to realize that each question in some way, shape or form is going to have a little bit of a purpose to it. Um, there's some, before I get into the hats, maybe I can say one thing about that. One thing that I want to say is sometimes, especially for our younger ones, especially for the ones who aren't reading scripture on their own often or at all, um, some of those reading comprehension questions are really important. Um, you'll see in your groups, guys, there's a section most weeks called scripture discussion where we're reading the scripture that was preached about probably in some either in its context or in a slightly broader context and some questions being asked to kind of to prompt them and kind of cue them to important sections and concepts about the passage. Uh, and that's really designed hopefully to help them to see and like experience the richness of scripture. But two is also usually designed to set up the second conversation and the application because we do want these things to be, we, want, we do want these conversations to be based around Scripture. So um, I just want to point that out. So there are these hats, Sean. You mentioned hats. I like wearing hats. What's your favorite kind of hat? See, I'm not a big hat guy. Uh, Ashlyn doesn't love it when I wear hats, and so that's kind of discouraged me. So I'm probably more of like a basic trucker hat type trucker. person. I can see you doing a cowboy hat. I've never worn a cowboy hat in my I, life. Julia, I'm just saying, like, if I look at Sean and I really think about it, Big you, belt could buckle. Could I pull one off? He does kind of look like a cowboy. Big belt buckle. Ooh, and cowboy boots. See, boots. I don't like having anything in the way of like flannel grabbing, up, like tying in. my shoes. So I don't think Red I'd flannel. like a big belt buckle. And he has like a whip in his hand. No, 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 no. I don't want, I don't want him to hurt me with the whip. <laughs> but he does have a six-shooter cap gun. That's what he has. I did have a cap gun growing up in middle school. Don't you love the smell of the cap gun when you shoot them? It smells so good. In, in middle school, it's a big, big me? deal. It's a big step. It was so cool. It felt so cool with cap guns. Um, well, anyway, I'm a I'm a big hat guy. I love baseball caps. Typically, um, I tried to rock a fedora like five years ago. I quit because I'm just not cool enough for it. Um, but there are these um, when this when this guy was talking about his question strategies, he tied them to a certain type of hat. So mm, I'm going to okay. do my best. I didn't realize there was that many kinds of hats, but I think about it now. There's actually lots of hats. What do you think the cowboy hat question would be called? It's not there. Anyway, um, the first hat to talk about is called the fisherman's hat. So when you're fishing, you think of like you got your tackle box, your fishing pole, and you're on your little boat. Um, and you're just like throwing your, you know, casting your line into the river. You're trying to catch something. You're trying to look for something. You're trying to help uh, a student discover something. You're trying to help them see their mm. point of view. So when you have your fisherman's hat on, you're thinking about a questions to ask your student. You're trying to help them realize their point of view. Um, how many times have you asked a question of your student, especially our younger ones, and they just have no idea what they think? They have no idea what they want. It's like they're trying to say the thing, but they don't have the right language for it. Um, when you put on your fisherman's hat, um, you can start to kind of dig a little deeper into what they're really trying to get to. So, so, for instance, you can say something like, why do you believe that way? So instead of them just like saying the thing uh, just so bluntly or nonchalantly, you can just ask like, well, why do you believe that? Um, and what you're trying to do is there's probably a few layers to their opinion that you kind of want to strip away. Um, 
So why do you believe that way? How did this experience impact you? Hmm. Um, and what you're trying to do is you're trying to fish around for their story. So this isn't like a question version of the phrase, like, tell me more. Like, yeah, let, tell let me, me more. Let me in on more of what you're thinking. Yeah, let me in on more. And like, oftentimes, like, even for me, like, sometimes I just need to be prompted mm. to like share more and to share more. And then eventually I realize what it is. Oh, yeah, that's why. This happens at home all the time with Amanda. Like, I'll be like upset about something or she'll be upset about something. And I'll just ask some questions. I'm not trying to solve your problem, but you seem upset. So let's talk about it. <laughs> Sorry, Amanda. Um, and eventually, like between us, like, kind of just talking it more and more, we eventually like we like that's what it is. That's your fisherman's hat. No, that's you're trying to help awesome. them discover their point of view and what they're trying to get to. Yeah, it's a really and, important question. Yeah, and these this list of hats will also be in our show notes. So feel free to take a look at that if you're a visual person. If you're wow, not driving, show notes, show notes. Yeah, we're we're There's going all be out. Show notes, this. show notes. Who's gonna do that? I think it's our amazing producer. Oh gosh! Wink, wink. Oh no, Julia is now leaving the room. So, so we have the Julia, the, come back, come back, Julia. So we have the fisherman's hat. Uh, what's the next hat that we kind of can wear as question askers, Chase? Oh, uh, the second hat that you should wear is your reporter's hat. Your reporter's hat. I don't know what that hat would look like. What, would, Julia? What would a reporter's hat look like? So like Sherlock Holmes, like a detective hat in some way, like with a piece of paper and a pen that they can like pull out at any point and take notes. Something like that. Um, Basically, what you're trying to do with the reporter's hat is you're trying to help a student um, investigate and discover uh, to share a story about themselves, about their experience or like maybe some of their exposure to a certain topic. You want to help the student gain insight. Uh, by having them share something that illustrates their experience. So, like, if you're asking a question, you'll want to say something like, well, where have you experienced that in the past? So it's so it's all about getting a story from their past. It's about helping them connect the dots versus you just telling them. You're helping them discover through their when own experience. When you think about this for our younger ones with middle schoolers, because they're so concrete-focused, um, sometimes you need to ask some reporter-type questions to help them connect past experiences to the one we're trying to discuss right now in the present. Mm. Um, that's really important to help them connect the concrete to the more abstract as they're younger. So when you're in your reporter hat, you know, you're thinking about questions like, you know, what specifically made that person good or what made them not so good? I remember th- you'll see this question often. I remember this kind of question, in our group guide, something like, where have you seen the Christian life modeled really well mm. or really poorly? And like that kind of question allows them to, to, to seek their own exposure and their own experience with the thing to bring to light some of their perspective. And so it's like at both times a challenging question because it's kind of helping students begin to put dots together. But it's also an easy question because we all have experience. Like there's not necessarily a wrong answer to that question, so to speak. Yeah. So if I were to ask like eighth, my, if I was to ask my eighth graders something to the effect of, um, um, Oh, you know what? This this past week in students groups, <laughs> when I just completely failed to understand a question that I wrote, which was hilarious. I wrote the question, I couldn't wait, wait. figure it out. So you mean there's times where you write the questions <laughs> and you struggle, struggle you know, to when understand I wrote these where questions it's going? Five weeks ago, I read them, and um, you know, I kind of prepped a couple of things, but I didn't prep that question very well. And obviously, because I sat there for like a good two minutes, like, why did I write this question? What is it? What am I trying to get to? Um, 
essentially what I'm getting to is if I were to ask my eighth grader something to the effect of like, how do you experience the fullness of God? Which is one of the questions that we had this past week. Um, you know, that's a hard question for them to answer. But if I were to ask them, who in your life do you think expresses like the fullness of God? Like that all of a sudden attaches characteristics mm. to a person that they know. And that helps them begin to think about the answer to that question for themselves. Um, now, granted, you know, that the answer to that question is not, you know, uniform. It's, you yeah. know, there's so many different ways to experience the fullness of God, but at least it helps them understand and like get into a direction to move, to start thinking in that way. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That's so, reporter's hat. Fisherman's hat, you're fishing. Reporter's hat, you're looking for a story, helping them connect insights. And so that brings us to hat number three. Ooh, this is one of my favorite ones. You see these a lot in our group's guides. It's called the physician's hat. Wait, wait, wait. Doctors wear hats? No. Well, they have those little scrubby hats. Okay, okay, yeah. You know when you're going in the surgery mm-hmm. or something? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I feel like down south they probably have, like, hats on. I mean, I... I, I get what you're talking they probably about. They have like surgeon, some cowboy hats hat? in Texas. As doctors in Texas probably <laughs> have doctor cowboy, cowboy hat. You're really trying to work the cowboy I'm hat really, in. I'm going to create my own group of questions by the end so, of this podcast. So here, here's the, the thing. Hat. If you know what kind of question the cowboy hat is, you need to let us know. Yes, uh, let your students pastor know. Let Chase know because we will add it as the sixth hat. So third hat, physician's hat. Physician's hat. Um, you are seeking to help a student diagnose a strength or a weakness. So you're helping a student do a bit of a self-assessment um, where they can discover some of their own growth areas. So, so just like you'd go to a doctor and they'll tell you the things that are good, the things that are bad. We're trying to do the same thing, but we want our students to be the ones doing the self-assessment. So in, so in some ways, it's, it's not like a doctor is like telling you, hey, your knee is good. Your, your doctor is helping you discover if your knee is good. Right. Yeah, in some ways, like think about this way. This question will show up often on like some of the intro discussion questions. Uh, after we do an icebreaker, if there's an icebreaker, there's usually a discussion at the beginning that's designed to kind of get us all in the mindset of what we're going to talk about. And sometimes in that space, we'll land this kind of question. Like if you were, if we we're talking about, oh, let me think back. If we were talking about unstoppable good in the fall, I think well, we talked about generosity. Probably Luke's week. Um, Luke's week, he talked about giving. Um, I think maybe on that group guide, or maybe you could imagine on that group guide, something to the effect of rate yourself from A to F on how generous you are with your mm. time, with your talent, with your treasure. Um, and that conversation is like, well, one, it equips you to kind of know where a student thinks they are, which is good for you to know as a group leader. Uh, but two, it kind of helps a student realize, like, am I doing good here? Am I doing bad here? Like, you're not going to tell them they're doing bad. <laughs> you're not going to tell yeah. them they're doing great. You're just wanting to learn. You just want to, yeah, you just answer the question. That's all I want to know from you. You're yeah, fine. I can see from the group leader's perspective, it helps you kind of define reality and know where your students are at. Right. And then it kind of helps you know, I can move quicker through this section of questions or, man, they don't understand this area at all. Let me spend some more time digging into yeah, that. Yeah, once you're able to diagnose where your group temperature is in that way, that's a good point to make. It allows you to focus differently. And if you're able to anticipate that in some way, you know, especially as the years progress, you learn your students better, uh, you'll be able to um, kind of already have that diagnosis ahead of time, probably. Mm-hmm. No, you want them to still answer the question, but you'll be able to prep that at a time. Yeah, because the question is just as much for them as it is for you, but it can kind of serve both both purposes and roles there. And then uh, to continue with the diagnosis idea, another question that sometimes pops up is like, hey, to improve here, what do you need to do? Mm. 
Like if you're a C, how do you get to a B? You know, like not how you get to an A. If you're an F, how do you get to an A? That's not the right question. It's how you take your next step. It's yeah. not how to get to the finish line. Yeah. If you are just someone who is completely an F minus in your generosity, now how do you get? What's the one step that you can take so, to get to like a D? So you're you're not asking them to go to give all their money. You're asking them how can you take one more step to trust God and be generous in or a small way. Or I'd maybe consider way. asking them like, hey, so if you're going to take a step, would it be with your treasure, with your time, or your talent? Mm. That may be something that I'd consider. Like, what's one step in one of those areas? Instead of all three. Instead of all three. And, and we're getting a little off topic with that, but that little diagnosis allows you as a group leader to think, like, how can I help them take that step? And gives them a practical next step because they're yeah. not going to remember everything, but maybe they can hold on to that one next step and be able to practice that and increase their trust in God and really begin to live and develop that authentic faith. Yep. Hey, speaking of next steps, the fourth hat. The fourth hat. I've... Is somewhat similar. Okay. Actually, I think we might have just answered the question a little bit. It's called your pilot's hat. Oh, nice. So and it's like the one with like, so is it the one with the spinny like helicopter thing on the back that's like a kid's hat? Or are no, you talking Sean. about like what an actual pilot? It's like with the actual pilot. Like Amelia like, Earhart. Like with the goggles? Yeah. Dude, like. Have you seen a modern day pilot? Have you? Holy cow. I don't know. When I hear pilot navigator's hat, I think of the like 1930s. Have 1940s. you ever been on an airplane? Tuskegee Airmen is what I think about. Command T. Command T. Pilot's hat. I mean, I will say that my hat the is white. the first hat in the results. Just let it be known when you type into Google, my hat was the first <laughs> one. Um, Julia, I think that we just got worked. But I See, think I would say your hat's a captain's hat. The, You're thinking of a yeah, captain's hat or a I'm thinking admiral's of a captain's hat. hat. But, but regardless, both are true. It's called a pilot's hat. Um, with the pilot's hat, what you're trying to do is you're trying to help a student navigate their next steps. So we kind of already talked about this with the physician's hat. They kind of work a little hand in hand in that way. Um, so, for instance, if you were to make progress in this area, what would be the most significant next step you can take? What are the most significant steps you can take in the next 90 days? Maybe you want to put like a time to it. Um what impact do you think that have on your skill level? So there's been a question that I've asked before. It's like, if you were to become more generous, how might that affect your faith? Or how might that mm. affect your spiritual life? Or how might that affect your home life? If you were to become more generous with your time, who would that impact? And, you know, for our students, like, well, I can probably spend more time with my brother or more time with my sister. Uh, but it helps them to see, like, when I do make this decision, I can now see the the effect of it later on. The the pilot's hat is kind of help you navigate and see forward the path, your next steps, and how it could change things. Man, that, that makes a lot of sense to be able to have that direction. I think that's important for students because they're not going to make that jump on their own. You want one more? I mean, yeah, let's go to the last one. Last, last one. Last one, number five. Last one. Um, this one might be my favorite one. Especially for our middle schoolers. I feel like you've been saying this about every question, kind of question. They're my favorite. So you, I mean, I, you do love hats. so I do love hats. I'm a big hat guy. Um, it's called the construction hat. We all know what that looks like. Hard hat. Hard hat. That's right. Um, with our construction hats, we are helping our student formulate a list mm. um, that can help facilitate their growth. Um, so in some ways, you can think of like, you've seen this before, like make a list of the ways that, you know, no, no, maybe it's probably a combo question. So who in your who is someone in your life that 
really models um, patience. All right. Let's okay. say that that is your that's your uh, reporter's hat question. You're wanting them to discover someone in their life um, or their fisherman's hat. You're trying to get them to discover something in their life, someone who is patient. And then I might follow that up with a construction hat question. It's like, what are four characteristics about them that you think make them patient? So this kind of goes in hand with the yeah. question we talked about earlier. With you can you can see hat. yeah you can see some of the ways that these questions kind of work and tandem together really well. Um, but the construction hat is really cool because it allows you to make the list about the things you already know. Um, it allows you to see oh okay so am I kind? Am I understanding? Am I you know allows you basically when you open up those questions you're you're basically able to. Um, let them make their own list and learn from themselves. Um, one of our lead small principles I love is called trust their process. And their process is not you telling them what to do, but them discovering it, what it is they need to do. Mm-hmm. And when you're asking these questions, you're allowing them to take ownership of that growth rather than you just speaking the whole time, which is probably not the best way to lead your group's conversation anyway. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So the fisherman's hat, Reporter's hat, physician's hat, pilot navigator's hat, and construction's hat. Construction there it is. Hat. And those are all questions that we can use our group's guide to help us anticipate what we can anticipate. Um, before we go, though, there's one other thing that I think is really important to uh, talk about when we're talking about asking questions. Uh, because I think that it requires something of us that's really difficult and sometimes counterintuitive. Because mm. when we have to ask questions, we sometimes need to do this. What? Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> Be silent. Yeah. So is there anything you want to add there before we before we wrap up today? Sure. And uh, yeah, in some ways, perhaps some of the most important work that we do as disciplers is to just be quiet and listen. Um, in our in our training videos, you probably heard someone say that there is an 80-20 rule that we like to adhere to. 80% of the time, we should be listening in our small groups. And 20% of the time, we should be talking. Um, because we want to trust their process, because we want them to enter into a process of self-discovery, because we want them to take ownership of their faith, um, we need to become listeners and question askers. And those are the things that are going to help us make more and better disciples of our students. Mm. Profound. So sometimes we just need to not listen to our own voice and begin to create space for them to share their story. That's right. Awesome. Well, I think that's it for for today for our first episode. So thanks for listening in. Let me tell you, group leaders, team members, what you do matters. Uh, But at the same time, who you are and who you're becoming in Christ is even more important. And so if we're going to be being about and going to make disciples, we have to first be disciples first. So let's each commit personally to walking the walk with Jesus, living out the mountain walk by loving God, loving people and serving the world. And remember, everything rises and falls on the strength of our disciple makers and our process to connect students to them. So we'll see you next time.